0: Yeah, there it
1: is When that robot voice comes in You know it's time to begin And wherever you are, whenever you are And however you happen to be listening We're so glad you've chosen to tune in To Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks Using this podcast to power you through a workout Or a run Or, hey, maybe You're just relaxing today. Maybe you're taking her easy. Maybe maybe you're hanging out with uh, your favorite pet and just strolling through the woods (laughs) listening to the DLC podcast. Well, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash Pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support, their desire to see this show continue means we get to make more of them, and in return, they get some cool stuff, some perks, including ad-free versions of the show. They get video versions of the show on demand, and they get bonus content, ladies and gentlemen, so much bonus content. You got an entire season of Feeling This, the show where Alex Solomon and Christian Spicer tell you about the feelings behind video games season two coming soon they get bonus chats spoiler chats exclusive and early And the paid DLC program, our Wednesday check-in show where Lana Bashinsky joins Christian Spicer and myself to talk about whatever happens to be going on. We get surprise (laughs) guests jumping into that show as well. Oh, it's a good time and it's so much fun. And it can be yours if you support the show at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show. The main show, DLC, is the show all about games in their many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co host slash nemesis, <laughs> the guy who's feeling baseball fever, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
0: Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. With this intro this week, uh, taking your favorite pet on a walk into the woods, dear horror film auteurs, please feel <laughs> free to use uh, uh, a poor victim, a cold open victim listening to DLC in your movie. Mm, like I like you it. Can, you can have that, right? I'll a write, Cross promo. Yeah, just p- have someone put in, you know, have your little first victim put in some, come on, pet, let's go for a walk. Doon, 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 doon. And, but you got to, you know, and then they're bopping just the podcast. They're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is so great. And then they're dead. So that's what I want. Make that happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's like the horror version of John Wick. Like you, you, you murdered my dog and now I'm, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got a great show for you coming up. Uh, we're recording a teensy bit early, but oh, my goodness, we have an awesome guest because we're able to do that. And. I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you know the DLC always stands you your Downloadable Canada and your Downloadable Christian, but this week I am excited because DLC stands for Digital Lives of Crime because we have the host of Virtual Criminology, the video game true crime podcast, as well as video producer and award-winning streamer for Eurogamer. Mr. Ian Higdon is with us for the first time. Hi,
2: Ian. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for starting early, all because of me. Different time zones. <laughs> I've got you up early. I do feel a bit guilty about it. But yes, thank all. you so much for inviting me on. It is um, our, uh, it's our delight to have you. And
1: uh, mm. I'm actually, crazily enough, I'm actually uh, flying uh, tonight to, uh, to the UK, to, to Britain. So um, it's, a, it's a wild, wacky bit of serendipity that's all coming together. Yeah. And we're excited. We're excited yeah. to talk to you.
2: Well, it's been raining the last couple of days, but the weather looks good for you. So, you know, we've got the weather good for you over here now.
0: I appreciate <laughs> that. I can't wait. I can't Jeff wait. demands Just... it. He doesn't travel anywhere without good weather. He came out to, back to L.A. for spring break, and it was like L.A.'s one week of rain. It and was then he built He yeah. built into his contracts for all future travel um, nice right. weather. Well, we in the had, UK,
2: we have like one week of sunshine and the rest is rain. So, hopefully, you've come at the right time.
1: <laughs> well, we had uh, we had like three or four inches of snow yesterday at my house. So, you know, wow! It's okay. It's all up, it's it's all it gets better from here. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in and start the show the way we always do, and that's with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the. story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments or questions or anything you'd like us to know. We're there. We're listening. We'd love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also participate in our communities. We have a subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com is where you find that. We also have a Discord. Fantastic, folks, hanging out in the Discord. That is also five by five DLC on Discord. And hey, the uh, DLC book club is in full effect on the Discord as well. We have a, a DLC book club thread, and we're we're reading Gardens of the Moon. Lana Bashinsky and I are putting out videos on YouTube about it. Join in on that as well
0: with author contributions and comments. Dude, like you guys are, it's, it's pretty incredible. awesome, incredible. He's like, don't worry about it. Uh, this is like. Man, I'll, I'll listen to the episode and then I'll go to the comments to get insight from the author.
1: Yeah, Stephen Erickson is is hanging out. Listen, listen to the listen to the book club and and it's giving so us good. clarification on his books. It's pretty pretty cool. Anyway, Ian, you are our guest. Yes, and so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Well, my story of the week is one that was actually brought to my attention from a, um, one of the developers of an upcoming VR game called Firewall Ultra, which I went hands-on with recently for Eurogamer. I was one of, uh, one of a few um, outlets that was able to go hands-on with um, this upcoming sequel to one of, the, one of my favorite PlayStation VR One games, Firewall Zero Hour. Uh, I was invited to Sony's HQ to try out Firewall Ultra, the, the sequel and I was guided through a couple of multiplayer games alongside some of the developers from First Contact Entertainment. And during that playthrough, I got to grips with the the mechanics of the game and the controls and everything. And one of the things that really struck me about this game coming from the back of playing one of my favorite PlayStation VR 2 games, Pavlov Ultra, was uh, Pavlov VR even, was that in Firewall Ultra? There's no reload mechanics to the guns. It's button press reload only, which is very mm. simplified. Uh, and I can kind of see why First Contact Entertainment doing this. Uh, it's obviously part of Sony's push to get newcomers into VR and stuff. If you play, if you've ever played Pavlov, you'll know that the manual reloading is quite complex, and you have to you have to be quite you, you have to have your VR legs about it as well. So. Uh, firewall ultra kind of features these simplified movement mechanics and when that news broke when people's hands-on articles uh, came out a lot of the hardcore vr crowd were like what's this we we don't want button reloads we want to you know we (laughs) want to feel cool one of the best things that i love about pavlov and its manual reloads is how you can feel like john wick playing these games you can pop a mag out you can pull one from your hip, slap it back in start shooting again it's great with the button reloads it's so simplified that yeah a lot of the vr hardcore were quite disappointed but then a developer reached out to me via dm uh, to point out a story in com, where they were reporting that during a uh, a live stream one of uh, the developers who is it's actually first contact entertainment ceo hess barber jumped into a live stream and uh told everyone basically announced that there is going to be actually a new ultra mode coming to firewall ultra in the future post-launch and this is going to introduce manual reloads friendly fire and no aim assist now another one of the things that was introduced during that preview was the Firewall Ultra has a kind of aim assist to it. When you hold down the grip button, it brings the sight of the gun up to your eye and slows your movements down so for a bit of f- fine aiming rather than having like a virtual stock like you might do in mm-hmm. Pavlov. Um, and this separate mode is going to be more for the hardcore. It's going to be separate to the public matchmaking and it's going to be for, you know, pro players and it won't it won't replace the simple button press uh, playlist or anything, but it is going to be there post-launch in an update for those that preferred uh, prefer to play that way. So that was great news for me. I was really happy to hear that because as as much as I loved the original Firewall Zero Hour, I've been playing so much Pavlov that playing Firewall Ultra with its basic controls did feel like a bit of a step backwards in terms of immersion and, and excitement. So yeah, very happy to hear that there is an Ultra mode coming post-launch the firewall ultra
1: very cool yeah i mean i um i am i a bit um conflicted about my my physical reloads in uh in vr games because i i love how cool it feels mm. uh, and i love how different than you know 2d flat gaming it is it mm. is uh something that's unique to to vr that that makes it feel special and um you know I, I, there's a there's a a tactile nature to that that is very very appealing to me mm. but i will say when the s is hitting the f <laughs> when the zombies are rounding the corner when the militia is coming down on me when other players are, mm-hmm. are popping up uh it, it often becomes uh, very comforting to be able to have that button reload. <laughs> oh,
2: yes, definitely. <laughs> well, the amount of times I've been like in a shootout and started to fumble with my magazine, dropping things and stuff. But um, I, I, you know, I'd sacrifice that for having those awesome feeling moments. I remember playing Pavlov a couple of nights ago with some friends, and I got in this shootout where I was ducking behind some cover, and I had a, a six-shooter, on me and to like open that up you you do press a button and it opens up the the uh the cartridge whatever it's called and um you shake it to let the 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 bullets out and then you have to put each one in manually and then flick it again and then i was poking my hand over the cover and shooting and it just i was like i was there in that moment it was incredible and, yeah. and i i think a button reload you do lose that so For i'm sure. happy to happy to have that balancing act of sometimes fumbling and getting a bit scared. <laughs> with the realism
1: i agree i'm and, and part of that joy is is in that uh inefficiency you know mm. the, the the joy is in how how many steps it takes to do it and, <laughs> and you're under that pressure and oh my goodness i have to actually physically do it mm. and I, honestly i would venture to guess that that might be some people uh, part of some people's um uh, frustrations with with VR in general is that things that video games tend to make easy and simple and fast mm. in VR you're actually doing it. You know that you know we've abstracted things so far uh you know press X to do whatever press x, mourn. <laughs> press x to mourn you know um that in vr when it's like oh no we're tracking you you actually can
0: do this you gotta actually pull mm. the lever or rotate the- we're high tracking you you are not mourning at all <laughs>
2: You no <laughs> part of you this morning
0: your eyes are happy I see no tears
2: <laughs> no tears detected yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I find that uh, for the
1: most part I find that joyous and and mm. uh refreshing to actually have to physically do the thing climb the ladder or whatever it is um but I think there is a a segment of uh gamers that just want to min max everything, including mm. their physical movements yeah and, you know and I wonder if you what your opinion is on on sort of that uh the the sort of um what would you call it um barrier to entry being (laughs) you know partly physical
2: yeah um that's one of the major problems of vr is there's always going to be massive barriers of entry in terms of not just wearing the headset itself but also yeah learning to operate games in a completely different way i think that's great that Firewall Ultra is going to have two options now one for beginners yeah. and one for the the hardcore so you can balance both but yeah in terms of Pavlov especially there is a huge learning curve to it and it took, did take me a long time to get into it but once it clicked then you know I I was in another world I I, I have never been that immersed in that you know getting I I love a good game of Call of Duty and everything, but there's something different about VR shooters that really put you in the moment and give you an, an excitement that I I can't get from the flat screen games. So yeah, yeah, there are a fair few easier shooters to get your head around in VR, but um, in terms of in terms of hardcore loading weapons and stuff once that clicks then you know it's the ultimate immersion for me
1: yeah no i i agree i'm right there with you and and uh it makes you know one or two enemies so much more uh dangerous and mm. exciting you know and in call of duty you can mow down you know 15 people without blinking and yeah. You know, in a a VR shooter, you're 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 in it. It, Things Mm. are much more
2: heightened. (laughs) There's a brilliant zombie mode in Pavlov where they just they charge at you. It's like the zombies from Twenty Eight Days Later. They they sprint at you, and if you start fumbling your reloads and you're like trying to slip a magazine in, and you drop it on the floor, and then you see these zombies coming towards you, that is a panic you won't feel in a flat game. (laughs) I can I
1: can guarantee. Yeah, I mean it's hard to convince people that dropping your magazine on the floor is fun. <laughs> or exciting but it is it's yeah. truly uh it's truly pulse and then
2: when you get it in there and you you pull the lever back and then you're firing it off you're just like whoa <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay this is what it feels like to be the star of my own movie right. you know i i right. am john wick i am a survivor in a zombie movie it's yeah, yeah. no feeling totally. like it
1: uh christian uh how do you where do you come down on the physical reloads in in
0: vr I love options. Uh, I think I talked about it for Resident Evil 8, like for whatever reason in that game, and I think it be- it's because I played the pancake version of it first. It felt weird to then learn these physical reloads, but that game gives you an option for a lot of button pressing of that stuff. And that felt better uh, for me in that experience. So I still had the immersion of the world and seeing you know huge creatures looming over me to scale and in 3D space, but I was also able to play it in a more comfortable way that th- I wasn't fumbling through the mechanic of like, if it doesn't work right, uh, then I feel like you even lose that panic immersion of like, if I'm not opening my jacket to get my mag out every time when I want to, that's frustrating. And mm. I think it was the disconnect I had in re- RE8 of how I had played it and now how I need to play it that prevented that clicking for me. So I really love the option of of a button press, but as a motorsport fan, and someone who still insists on driving a manual when I go around a racetrack, I totally get it, right? Like a manual in every car, you know, track purpose-built car is slower than automatics. Now, F1 cars are all paddle shifted. Like what you can do with a computer-assisted transmission making these gear shifts for you is going to be night and day different than me roaming my own boat. But the immersion of using all four of my limbs at all times – feels great you know like that's the experience i want i'll take the slower hit to be in control of where my rpms are and how i'm coming out of an apex or whatever and i think vr does a lot of that same stuff where yes it's slower like uh, you mentioned um climbing it's like yeah in horizon which we'll talk about in a little bit it's press up to climb you know more or less and in horizon and psvr it's like you're (laughs) doing everything and in that game i think i enjoy doing the climbing (laughs) more than just like i'm gonna run aloe against this wall i'm gonna jump around this wall she's gonna bounce against this wall does this one (laughs) climb this one climb nope okay now i'm gonna do this one um so i I love it when it clicks and then i also love options (laughs) yeah (laughs) for when
1: it does not i was uh i was playing a lot of uh after the fall on psvr two for a while and uh they do kind of a a hybrid thing you can do where it's almost like the old um, light gun games in the arcade, like House of the Dead and stuff like that. It, it, you could you, you run out of, you know, your magazine empties and then you have to tap your chest and it'll reload. Mm. So it's almost just like, you know, the old games where you have to just shoot off screen and then back.
3: They're like uh, pistol in- whip. You just yeah. cock it down. Yes, Bam. right. Bam.
1: Pistol whip. Great. Mm. Great pull. Um, And I, I even enjoy that, you know, like that. That's sort of a hybrid between the two where, yeah, it's it's. It's not as fiddly. It's not as uh, it's not as precise. It's not as tactile. But it's something that is different than just pushing a button, which I enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, very exciting news. Uh, I know that we'll hear more about that in the uh, what you've been playing segment. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
0: Oh, there's a lot of stories. I, I think a bigger story, Jeff, and maybe I save this for a Wednesday. Uh, I, I think there's too much. Of conferences, and none of them mean anything uh, any- <laughs> anymore.
1: We've, go- we've gone past we've hit we've gone past the Rubicon at this point we <laughs> yeah like E3 <laughs> died. It's, it, it's great. we don't have any we don't have to every company can have its own direct and it's like, oh no, every company doesn't need to have its own direct.
0: <laughs> or every company's having eight directs and they're all interesting, but at the same time, it's like none of them are. It's like how do you break through the noise? It used to be how do you break through the noise of like just press releases, and it's like oh we would do these E threes, these big conferences, and that's how you break through. And now everybody's doing their conferences. And it's like how do you break through? We're doing a PlayStation Direct. No, no, no. This one's a good one. <laughs> this, this is instead of like to set your expectations low. We're only going to talk about these two games. Just know what we're going to talk. It's like no, no, no. Get hyped. And then it's like, uh, is this the one where you announce Silk Songs date? No. Okay, call me later. Um, so <laughs> maybe that's a longer discussion, and maybe we, you can bring up some of those specifics. But for me, the story of the week, I think this week is Sega's acquisition of Angry Bird developer Rovio um, for almost a bill. And I think, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big roundup. Well, so the original negotiation numbers were a bill, and now it's like seven seventy-five, which you know if you're going to give me 7 dollars and 75 cents i'd be okay saying that's almost 10 bucks but yeah i guess when it gets to the millions and billions it's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little different What's i mean a few
1: hundred million among friends i guess
0: <laughs> or among buying video game developers you know yeah. it's uh it's all pennies um this feels big to me because we are seeing more and more movement toward mobile game companies being purchased by quote unquote traditional AAA publisher developer companies a big part of microsoft's long coming uh, acquisition of blizzard or activision as it's often discussed is actually the acquisition of king they're very profitable almost always out of the news mobile company that doesn't have an egocentric uh or doesn't appear to have an egocentric jerk of a CEO or uh, whatever. Blizzard also has. Um, I guess it's still Bobby for both, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and this idea of companies pushing into mobile Tencent obviously has a large mobile presence. They, and the mobilification of other games, Fortnite being very successful. And then having to walk that back because of app store um, Genshin impact huge on mobile. And then also these more traditional quote unquote mobile games like angry birds and the like still doing really, really well. And I think this is interesting because I think you haven't heard much from these developers other than other versions of angry birds. Like, yes, there's games, but nothing that's like been in the zeitgeist, but Sega clearly thinks they have an acumen or an insight into that space in a big way. Um, and are looking to get into it because as we learned at BlizzCon 2019, everyone has phones and, uh, it's it's the place I think a lot of people want to be to get all that money. And I'm curious if you all think it this will lead to something or if this is just another blip on the road of uh, Sega's post-console uh, life. Yeah,
1: evidently Rovio also has this live service tool called Beacon, uh, uh, which I think probably is a big part of why Sega values them so highly. Um but yeah, I mean, clearly this is not about acquiring Angry Birds, right? The The goal for Sega wasn't like, oh, we got to get that that sweet Angry Birds money. I think it more is we have a bunch of IP that we think will work on mobile. Mobile is a big, big burgeoning market. So let's get a company that knows how to make mobile things and has this built-in infrastructure that has this, this tool, this live service tool uh, and we can just flood, you know, our IP in- into a completely new revenue stream. Um, Ian, what is what is your take on this acquisition?
2: I mean, I think you're spot on there. I reckon you know Sony are going to use Rovio to push their IP out onto mobile phone. Whether that means it's a Sonic the Hedgehog mobile game, or you know, maybe you know, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog in a Pokemon Go style, maybe something like that. Bring in the Sega titles out and about onto into the palm of your hand, out into the open world. You know, there's the, the sky's the limit, really. Um, I, there's been plenty of home console versions of Angry Birds, so yeah, the chances of sega spinning off a big new console version of angry birds seems less likely to me than you know what you said the, their IPs going mobile so yeah i think that's what i'm expecting to see from them
1: well evidently sega believes that uh global gaming market by 2026 is going to be 56 percent mobile so wow. mo- mobile gaming will be will account for 56 percent of the global gaming market by 2026 according to sega they want in on that you know, hmm. that's that's over half the pie. So uh, they went in on that. Anecdotally, I will say, this last weekend, we had nine six to seven-year-olds in my house. Uh, <laughs> not by my choice. My wife invited them. <laughs>
0: You left the doggy door open, and it's like you <laughs> were looking come, for the clip, but it was on the ground, around. and they were rushing in. You're like, no, they no. Come in. If
1: you leave a Nintendo Switch by the doggy door, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bad idea. No, uh, we, you know, we had a little, uh, little get-together for, for my, my son and daughter here, and uh, the kids came over and um, had pizza and fun stuff, and then uh, they were going to watch a movie. Hmm. And I said, okay, here, here are your options for movies. We could watch Star Wars. We could watch uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, we could watch... Um, oh, what was another one of them? Like a, I can't remember. I think it was a Pixar movie. Uh, or we could watch Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog! The, it's bonkers. <laughs> Everybody. Sonic! Sonic is huge among the six to seven-year-old set, at least in my neck <laughs> of the woods. And uh, I, I I think that's pretty wild, seeing as how it's not like, you know, it's not like people are playing I don't think the the kids are playing uh what was the last Sonic game, the open world Sonic game, Frontiers. Ooh, yes. I don't think they're playing Frontiers. No, you know? I don't think that's what's causing it. It's the cartoon, it's the movie, it's the fact that the IP is interesting to kids. Mm.
0: And I think Sega's like, well, let's give them something on the mobile, you know, let's let's look it up. Yeah. And they've had mobile games before, certainly. There's good ones on Apple Arcade even. Sonic Racing I think is a, a very good racing game and on a, a mobile service that I think is good in terms of, you know, delivering that type of content. Um And there's been other, I think Sonic 4, right, was originally released on mobile. And there's been other Sega games on mobile. But I think at the end of the day, you kind of look at the cost required to own a studio that can do all this stuff and navigate the app store policies and uploading, updating, getting your game out there and having all of that in-house versus the cost and time associated with finding an outside uh, developer who's going to be able to do this or the company that can help you navigate the app store policies or, you know, and like these bespoke, arrangements for each game and now hopefully you know sega has the equivalent of uh inside council right <laughs> like, <laughs> the call can come from inside the house every time and they don't need to start looking for a partner and i think for this amount of money and again as ian mentioned also with all the ip that sega has i think it makes a lot of sense streets of rage 4 was awesome on mobile that was that yeah. became mm-hmm. uh you know just a regular game and you can play it touch screen or with control I, th- I think there's a lot of value there for them
1: Seven hundred seventy-five million. I'm guessing those birds aren't quite as angry as they used to be. Yeah, it's I not. Heard the
0: pigs got it all. <laughs> oh.
1: It's not cheap. Do you, do you oh,
0: nice! <laughs> well done.
1: Thanks, <laughs> Ian, with the win. I love it.
2: That's the show, everybody. Thanks <laughs> well, for joining yeah. us. If there's Can't one thing bad. I'm good at, it's terrible puns. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, well, you fit right in. <laughs> terrible puns in VR. Oh, yeah. we, we're, we're kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> all right. So my story of the week, uh, Christian, as as you mentioned, you've left me a a, a bunch of really interesting options. I, I think I'll probably, we, there was a big Street Fighter VI showcase, mm-hmm. uh, but they dropped an, a demo, which I have played. So maybe I'll get a chance to talk about that in the in the uh, what we've been playing segment, uh, because there's a lot there and it look very interesting about what they've done to Street Fighter VI. Uh, I think I'm going to focus on the other showcase of the week, and that is the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. I love that Nintendo does these. I'm a big fan of indie games uh, as listeners to this show will note. I'm always trying to talk about as many indie games as I possibly can. And Nintendo has been such doing such a great job making the focus of the switch uh, in large part indie games. And uh, evidence of that is these kinds of indie directs, these showcases of uh, specifically games made by indie developers. Uh, The showcase focuses on them, focuses on the developers themselves. A lot of times uh, a lot of this showcase that they just did on the 19th uh, had a lot of actual developers uh, presenting their games or introducing their games. And uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, a lot of cute games, a lot of uh, adorable games. Uh, a sequel to uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer called Rift of the Necro Dancer uh, that looked pretty cool to me, it looked very different than Crypt of the Necro Dancer, but still a uh, rhythm action game with a story. Um, there was a, uh, uh, the sequel to Oxenfree, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, Oxenfree game that Christian and I both really liked. Got Uh, a date. Yeah. Then a date. Yes. Um, some really interesting, uh, games, I think here, I will pick out, uh, I think a game that I wasn't aware of that I'm very curious about is a game called Animal Well being developed by a single human uh and that uh, person was was uh introduced the game in a very humorous fun way and was like i've been working on this game for 5 years uh, <laughs> did everything uh it's almost out here it is very 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 charming and funny um and uh it looks really interesting it's a, it's a game he he described it as a game about exploring places you're already familiar with but finding something new in them and i thought that what a cool what a cool thing to focus on. What a cool prompt for a video game experience.
2: Yeah. Um I've never heard of this game before. But I just looking at some at some screenshots now. It looks really it looks great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm pixel like art pixel really art. sort of retro yeah. look to it, but it looks really interesting. I hadn't heard of it either hmm. until this um this point. But you know, it's it's one of those things <laughs> this this uh indie world showcase is it, it, we, we've said it so many times. Uh, there are, you know, too many games and there are Specifically in the indie space, I don't know how anybody makes money because there was this showcase where games would get about two, two and a half, three minutes, you know, in, in this 20, 25 minute presentation. And at the end, they're like, here's like eight more games. We'll just show you for a few seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just, just don't blink, don't blink, don't blink. We got, we got, we got, we got a few more. To keep,
1: keep it's it. like, well, I mean, cool that Nintendo is showing your game for a few seconds, but there's just so much.
0: That's, and this is poor. just Nintendo's Indie World. Steam also had its next fest. And yes. the PlayStation is going to showcase some hot indies coming to PlayStation. And Xbox has ID at Xbox. And also, are you asleep? Because wake up, there's more games. <laughs> there's a game under your bed. Look in your closet. 100 games.
1: <laughs> it's it's wild. It's wild. I'm very excited about the Cult of the Lamb DLC that they showed. Mm. And another game called Crime O'Clock uh, perked my interest because – or piqued my interest? Um Uh, because it it doesn't look like anything i've ever seen before it's kind of this uh, the idea is you're solving crimes through time crime o'clock uh and different there's different time frames but it it almost looks like a a where's waldo um big zoomed out highly detailed line drawing of a city in these specific time frames and then you can highlight different parts of the city that change based on the crime that's happening the heist or the whatever the crime is that you're trying to solve and you affect things in one one time frame and it'll carry forward through time and and have ramifications it looks so different and interesting it Mm. really um it really caught my attention but i wonder ian if there's anything in this list that you are particularly interested in
2: well you know, what? I actually missed the Nintendo Indie World showcase, so I'm just kind of catching up on this now. But I did hear about the Cult of the Lamb DLC. Uh, my wife was a huge Cult of the Lamb fan. She smashed through it so fast. She got like how like, big of a fan? Like, are we uh, concerned,
0: fan? Like, are you okay? Do you need help? Are you I don't are you need, safe? I don't are you need safe? Help,
2: <laughs> but there are more than a couple of plushies in in this house right now, and uh, and various t-shirts so but yeah i'm pretty safe uh maybe not so safe once the uh the dlc comes out which i think is are not being used to suffocate you
0: like you're alive <laughs> you're you're not being asked to do weird things so that she can prosper like everything's okay
2: i'm always okay. asked to be doing weird things <laughs> 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 not with the plushies <laughs> so uh, more think, lamb uh, than cults really is yes what I'm yes <laughs> yeah. definitely no i think that dlc's out like next week i think yeah um, so um it's a bank holiday weekend over here in the uk so my wife was like i know what i'm doing bank holiday weekend so you know, i'm not going to be speaking to her because she's just going to be cult managing all the way through <laughs> i think <laughs> um, i did enjoy the original oxen free so i've not seen too much about oxen free too but that had you know that was a great story and
1: speak- yeah it looks speaking- to be very very similar uh you know you're you're back on this uh, island 2D, exploring hmm. the story, picking up uh, strange uh, radio waves. And there's like a walkie-talkie system now. You can t- talk between right. characters. Uh, looks pretty cool. <clears throat> um, I like
2: the, the, the list here that says all the games announced. There are a lot of cat games. Uh, there are a lot a of fan, cat games. Mm-hmm. Indeed, as there are. As a fan of cats, I'm happy about that.
1: There you go. I mean, uh, Little Kitty, Big City, Quilts <laughs> and Cats of Calico, which is based on the board game calico uh it's literally (laughs) it's literally the board game
2: the board game calico Mm. Uh and then they added cats on it (laughs) it's just like okay yeah Uh, and and even in the screenshots of animal well there's some cats in there as well so there you you go if you like i think
1: uh minico's night market is all about cats as well Mm -hmm. uh yeah cats making Whoa. a big play for Nintendo's indie world showcase this cats year. The Stray was
0: nominated for a game award okay uh give Let's me kid. some more cat ideas <laughs> yeah. cats are hot
1: they're hot <laughs> uh cue the guy sitting behind the desk with a big cigar I need cats <laughs> <laughs> uh Christian any uh any standouts for you
0: There are a few. Also, I just, as we were talking, you know, looking at how many games there are, I I think Nintendo does a very good job typically with pacing of these Directs, like putting together a weird mix of games. I mean, just look at this list and it's like, Blasphemous 2, Little Kitty Big City, (laughs) Ghost of the Lamb, DLC. (laughs) Also, played Up. (laughs) It's like... Just Whiplash, Um, Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk, which is kind of a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio. I think that looks awesome. I'm curious to see how it plays and controls. I think Jet Set, you know, even with the updates over the years, it was kind of built for the Dreamcast controller and then adding full do analog control. The game, I think, lost a little little bit of its appeal, but it also is very dated in how it originally played. But I love that world. I love that vibe, and I'm excited to see new folks do something with it um and i i also think oxen free 2 is probably my biggest like metal gear solid exclamation point interest game because we talked about the first game i listened to the soundtrack for the first game still regularly the second game i feel like much like um silk song which i joked about earlier this game was announced a long time ago mm. um and i feel like now it's finally coming um and i'm, I'm curious how much more new they're bringing to the table, or, um, you know, not that games are easy to make and it should have come out sooner, but I'm like, oh, is there something else going on here? Like, is there a secret? Like the first game was secrets and uncovering mysteries, and I wonder if there is like some, I don't know, but like some change or some drop or something else that happens, or, you know, maybe games are just hard to make.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly lots of cool stuff in the indie direct, and I. I really appreciate that Nintendo has committed to this and continued with this, um, you know, shining the spotlight on indie developers and and making the Switch this destination for for indie games. It's really cool. All right, well, that brings us to the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist.
2: What has been on your playlist this week? I've been playing a couple of games um, this week, mainly Meet Your Maker, which is uh, this month's PlayStation Plus game, and also Dead Island 2, which Ooh. came well, out on Friday, I think. Yeah, well, let's yeah. start
1: with Meet Your Maker. Mm. Um, you've been playing, this is a, uh, wow, well, the uh, po- post apocalyptic first person building and raiding
2: game right meet, meet your maker is a really bizarre game and the best way i can describe it is uh mario maker meets doom which <laughs> is oh, a cool what a cool <laughs> description <laughs> It's not, it's a very weird game and it's not going to be a hit for everyone. But for me, I got super hyper, like focused, addicted to it in such a short amount of time that I've platinumed it already. It's wow. been, it's, it's not been around for a while, but basically, I mean, it's not been out for a while, uh, a long while, but basically what you do is you live in this post-apocalyptic world and you have to go out on these missions to player-made bases which are full to the brim with one hit kill traps and you have to make your way through in first person using a grapple hook kind of doom infinite style um and a weapon that only has like three three projectile darts to fire and you can get them back by Going up and collecting them again. But you have to make it through these mazes. Sometimes it's mazes, sometimes it's temples, sometimes it's like underground things. And that's the beauty of user generated content. You never really know what you're going to get, how hard it's going to be. Sometimes you'll find like an outpost that's super easy to get through and you'll come out with like loads of loot. Uh, Sometimes you'll find one that takes ages to beat. And those are the ones that really got their teeth into me. The ones that were almost impossible to beat. I was like, I'm so stubborn. I was like, right, I have to beat this now. And I just keep dying over and over again until I finally got it. But basically, you go out on these raids, you have to raid a material called genmat, like genetic material. any any other resources in that gen map once you get it and you get back out of the base you get to keep that and you can use that to spend uh, to upgrade buy new weapons buy new armor upgrades and also buy traps because the other half of the game is building these bases yourself and you build these bases you fill them with traps and then you set them public and then other people try to raid them and then you come back later on and you can then see exactly where people have died you can Hoover up a little bit of resources that they've dropped so it's a game of two halves you get resources from raiding other people's bases you get other people's resources from them raiding your bases and then you bring them back and you use them to yeah spend upgrade your traps upgrade guards and give them special powers that you can then put in your um your outposts and i don't know i just i got super hyper focused on it and it was the only thing i could think about playing for for like an entire week that sounds Uh, really cool i i'm wondering what
1: which half of the game you found to be most it sounds like everything is feeding into you building your own levels mm, is that is that accurate or or were you getting more joy out of doing other people's levels
2: i definitely got more joy out of doing other people's levels i really liked going into it You, you in your base you have this like map and you can pick which one and there's a little screenshot of each uh, base, and so you can see which one. And there's, there's brutal bases that give you more resources than the normal bases. So you know, you pick which one you fancy, and you dip in. and I just loved exploring other people's bases, seeing what kind of crazy traps or tricks or different ways to torture the players I could find. I did build a couple of bases just because that was part of the the trophy system. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I found the, the the base building to be a little bit more, well, it was, you know, a lot slower and I didn't find it as interesting. There are some people that obviously just spend their entire time building and making these incredibly complex, almost unbeatable bases, um, but they're kind of the fun ones to go into, the ones yeah. where you're, you're terrified to turn a corner because you don't know if you're going to step on a panel that will shoot darts into your face or <laughs> um, disappear a wall and then a giant guard covered in armor will come out and get you. But yeah, if, you, if you're a fan of that kind of Mario Maker style, you know, you never know what you're gonna get, plus with the first person aspects of Doom, then I'd suggest giving it a go. It's a it's a PlayStation Plus game, so it's not gonna, you know, cost you anything if you're a PlayStation Plus member. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a hit for everyone, but you never know. You might be like me, you might try it for a couple of times, think this is weird, and then the next thing you know, just twenty hours have gone by and you're like, Whoa, I'm on your thirtieth base of the day. So yeah. I was looks, I thought it was really great.
1: interesting. I, I'm one of those guys that, uh, that, you know, that, that likes these kinds of games, but has no patience uh, for the building aspect. You know, mm-hmm. I love Mario maker because I can play infinite Mario levels, but I'm not going to yeah. make my own. Um, and so when, so that's why my questions are directed this way. Yeah. You talk about, um, you know, going, getting through the levels and getting resources Are all the resources you're gathering to build other levels, or is there some kind of reward for just uh you know just playing other people's levels?
2: Uh no, well the resources you get I think there's three different four different types of resources. Uh the Gen Mat is used to basically build your player level and your base level up. But then you get three other resources which are used to either buy new weapons, upgrade your weapons, buy new uh players outfits. Mm. There's there's a there's two suits you can wear. One is for long range so you can shoot traps from a distance but you have limited uh ammo and then there's a close range melee one which has a bit more ammo but their ammo won't destroy traps it'll only kill guards so you you can um level up your character depending on your play style um, with some resources, and then other resources you can spend exclusively on buying plots of land to build your base on, or you know, upgrading and modifying your traps. That's uh, but cool. you don't have to build. Mm-hmm. There is a forced tutorial for building, which takes about ten minutes. But after that, it's up to you. It's a good way to farm resources because people play your maps when you're not even online. So you come back in later on. And the announcer in the base will be like, your base has claimed more lives. And then you can go in and you can check it out. Cool. And you see, yeah, you see exactly where your traps have killed people. And there's a little it's, it's the same thing my wife
1: like, said when, when those uh, seven-year-olds were in our house. <laughs> your house has claimed more lives. So, sorry,
2: That's a definitely a more tra- dangerous trap as well, I think. But uh, yeah, there's even a little replay station in your base that you can go to and you can watch other people's replays of them trying... You your base oh that's so if you're really sadistic and you've made this terrible terrible death trap and you're like "Ah, how have i killed people today you can go (laughs) and watch these replays and you can then use that to see how people have got through your base so you can be like okay that corner there is not as dangerous as it could be they're (laughs) they're cheating through there so i can i'll put a spike trap there and stop them and and all that so yeah it's a game of two halves but um i focused on the, uh, the the raiding rather than the building, and that's fine, I think.
1: Again, that game is called Meet Your Maker. It sounds like yes. a really clever concept that I've never really seen done before I quite like I think,
2: this. So it's so it feels like an experimental thing. It's made by the the developers of Dead by Daylight. I can't mm. remember their name. Um, but it's made by their, those developers, and Dead by Daylight's got quite a big uh, community behind it. It's quite and a behavior big Behavior
1: Interactive, I guess. That's
2: I mean? the one, yes, yes um and this one feels almost like they had a, a an in-office game jam one day and then they span it out into a into its own big game but yeah I, I, it's great i love it and i think they're bringing like seasons to it at some point where you can you know get more outfits and stuff but i, I honestly i've i've hundred percented it now so I'm, i don't know whether i'll go back to it you know, for a while <laughs> and
1: uh on steam it's only 30 bucks and as mm-hmm. you said it's on playstation plus so meet your maker very cool mm. Uh, but you've also been playing Dead Island 2, which is a game I yes. have been excited about. It's just, there's this explosion of games that just came out all at the same time. This concentration of games. I haven't had a chance to even try it, but I'm so curious. Mm. This is a game that's you been in You were first to see
0: it, Jeff, right? Weren't you first to see it? <laughs> no, that's that's, <laughs> that uh, dying that's different. Light too? Dying Light 2? Dying Light 2, yeah. One of the other... Um, uh, delayed zombie games that finally came first out. I, I got it, it wrong dang it 7 <laughs> years before it came
1: out um but uh yeah so so Dead Island 2 has been in development you know <laughs> that long also mm. um, well
2: yeah to be fair I actually did see and played uh dead island 2 in 2014 for a Eurogamer <laughs> preview at gamescom so this wow, is when it was being developed wild. by jaeger interactive yeah were the first people yeah and then it went to sumo digital and then to um deep so uh not deep so uh Dam busters
1: yeah, yeah, I think
0: at one point we were developing it also. Like, it just kind of, you know, went to, you know, anyway. It's like... I
2: think everyone's had a go now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all got a chance. To... I did a couple of blood effects in it, and then I passed it on to the next person down the street. Yeah. I tried to put cats in it, but I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are no cats in there, sorry. They, they cut that, sorry. Well, you know, me. Classic me. <laughs> uh,
1: but tell me, tell me what your experience with Dead Island 2 is. I, I'm so curious about, about this. because sitting in Los Angeles, mm. you know, uh, very curious.
2: A famous island of Los Angeles. yes the dead
1: island of los angeles we all know
2: (laughs) it well so i was very pleasantly surprised you know nine years in the making and um it is one of those double a style games that you maybe got in the xbox 360 kind of days that are just fun to play you know they're not gonna they're not gonna stand up at the video game baftas and receive an award but people are gonna have a good laugh playing it um it's really, really surprisingly good looking as well. I think it looks great. Um, the One of the things that impressed me the most about Dead Island 2 when I was playing it for preview stuff is the detail to the world. This is, it's open world, it's an open world game, but it's a modular open world game. So instead of having a gigantic map, it's made up of 10 or so smaller maps that are open world. And you can really tell that the the art team had the best time decorating this world and making it feel like a real living breathing world that it's it's so busy and and that has just been evacuated so you've got you you'll go into these buildings that are just full of personal effects knocked over and smashed and blood up the walls, like so much environmental storytelling everyone. It made exploring that world um a real joy because I was just wandering around nosing at people's DVD collections, poking <laughs> around the the homes of the rich and famous in Bel Air. I did a preview for it on Eurogamer uh, a couple of months before it came out. And the they said you know, this will take you four hours to play through. And it took me about six hours to play through it because I was just nosing around checking out all the... There's a, a an influencer house in there called The <laughs> Goat Pen. And everything in this game is kind of like based on a, a Hollywood caricatures. So this is a caricature of an influencer house and they have loads of podcasting sets and video recording sets everywhere. And then you go down the stairs and they've got pinball machines and a bowling alley and <laughs> just like... So much stuff to explore. And I love that. Um, and then combining this kind of great attention to detail and this great kind of visual presentation with just arcadey, grotesque zombie battering, actually. It's just, yeah, it was just a nice, easy game to get into that uh, I really enjoyed playing. In terms of combat, you are mainly using melee weapons to fight these zombies. You do get guns after a while. But uh, it's mainly melee combat, and I will say that the zombies are quite damage spongy. So after a while, if you play it for extended periods of time, you can get it, hammering the zombies can get a little bit tedious, just because they do take a long time to to get knocked down. But recently, I played it on a stream on Eurogamer with my colleagues Aoife and Zoe in three player co op, which is what that game allows. That's the maximum three player co op, and it doesn't really scale, so it makes the the battles a lot faster and much more fun if i i would say if you can play dead island 2 in three player co-op because it's so much fun you have a a variety of moves you can use like drop kicking zombies so you'll be like swinging away with an electrified knife trying to chop a zombie's head off and all of a sudden one of your pals will come flying past with a fly kick booting them in the head (laughs) sending the zombie spiraling off it's it's just yeah it's just the equivalent of a you know a, a turn your brain off popcorn movie kind yeah, of yeah yeah so yeah I yeah I think it's a lot of fun it won't again it won't be for everyone there's a very very high uh, level of gore they use a, something called gore tech in this game which um, the the flesh of the zombies realistically reacts to your weapon so if you chop a zombie in the face its flesh will peel away on the face maybe its eyeball will pop out and start swinging around uh, you have elemental weapons which can have ac- acidic damage on and you can hit the zombies with acid weapons and then their skin will start melting and or, f- or you set them on fire and then they'll set other zombies on fire so there's a lot of experimenting with the combat and stuff as well uh but yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun if you if you can handle heavy gore and uh repetitive button mashing at times then you'll you'll have a lot of fun with it i think
1: i really enjoyed the first dead island I, I, I agree it's not you know it's not winning any awards but it it's a goofy fun time and i was ex- excited for more goofy fun with uh, dead, dead island too so that is exactly
2: know. what you'll get but slightly better looking and slightly less janky yeah
1: yeah, so, yeah. I, there's so many so many things coming out right in this little window uh i hope that one doesn't fall through the cracks for me because i really want to you know play it especially in co-op it's so much fun Cool. Dead Island 2, meet your maker, Christian Spicer. What is on your playlist?
0: So I was provided a code for Horizon Forbidding West Burning Shores, um, which I have uh, since run through. And I really want to do a spoiler chat for this DLC at some point, Jeff. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of narrative stuff to dive into and discuss. Um but also just kind of the world and idea of uh, this style of DLC, which I think is probably best discussed in a spoiler chat. So I can be a little more uh, free with my words. As you can mm-hmm. tell, even right now, I'm parsing them here and there. I'm trying to process in real time. Um, this, this will be spoiler free. I'm going to do my best to, to, I'm not going to do my best. I am. This is going to be spoiler free. Um and
1: you, you never really do your best, so that well, nobody nobody you. thought you yeah. were. Oh.
0: You know. No, yeah, Aloy dies, uh, which is shocking. Uh, and then like, an Ellie's watching, which just felt weird. I was like, oh, okay, synergy, get it. And then Atreus is like, no, and I'm like, this is what. But I loved it anyway. No spoilers. Um, Horizon, Forbidden West, Burning Shores. Uh, I, I'm going to start with what I really love about it, and then I will talk about kind of things that I I like less about it. Um, i love that this is post-game dlc i think that is super gutsy to do yeah, like they they sure. have the data of how many people finished uh horizon forbidden west and horizon forbidden west is no small game um jeff you got sucked into the do it all and i think listeners over the year it came out got to hear your progress like hey I- i'm still not done Yeah, yes we're going to talk more about this game later but i am doing everything and i'm loving it and i'm you know working my way through it and this dlc says great don't play me yet like you can't you'll buy it you it tells you yeah you c- cannot play it
1: which is different than the first horizons dlc which was just an area of the map that was kind of high level-ish but you could go there if you wanted to uh yes it,
0: it, it worked post-game <laughs> like they narratively kind of had it work if you were post-game but also if you bought it partway through you could unlock the frozen north or whatever it was called uh um, yeah uh, frozen wilds i forget frozen something coldies um and i love that i i love that this is post-game i love that uh narratively it is post-game like there's no other way to experience it other you know dlcs for sony stuff that i've loved have kind of done island of ishii on um ghost of Tsushima had this like you got to be at this point in the story to go do it and it also kind of worked narratively post-game because it's this other thing you haven't found yet but it does kind of feel weird oftentimes in those moments to do this other thing in the middle of like this other big thing it's my problem of save go save your kid but also go start a convenience store um i think left behind oh go ahead sorry
1: i was gonna say like destiny 2 you know i hadn't played destiny 2 in many years and i got a light beam what is it light year yeah light Lightfall, Lightfall, uh, and uh, it's like, uh, oh, you, you, I, you know, I started a character because I haven't played Destiny in a billion D years, and I was like, hey, hey, everything's happening, and then I get, get there, it's like, nah, go over to Neptune,
0: hey, just head on over to Neptune, no, no problem. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> don't worry about any of this stuff right now.
0: Go to Neptune. The world is ending. But also, that ended, technically. Like, yes, it's bad. But, like, go to Neptune. Uh, yeah. I like the way, surprise, Naughty Dog has handled this before. Left behind, you know, you can access in the middle of uh, Last of Us. But also, it works as its own standalone thing. And then my favorite is Uncharted Lost Legacy. Because they're like, hey, we're going to build this DLC expansion. You know what? It's its own game. Here you go. It's an, it's an <laughs> yeah. own game. If you pre-ordered the expansion for 10 bucks, you still get it. But it, it didn't. Oopsie! It became its own game. Um, Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores is definitely DLC to Horizon. And it is beautiful. I mean, just just stunning. Drop dead gorgeous. The facial animation and um, the realism in that performance capture that they are bringing, that Guerrilla is bringing to this game um in an open world game no less like this is not a small corridor you know graphically simple uh processing simple game it is still this huge open world and the amount of fidelity is unbelievable it is a playstation 5 exclusive yeah that's what i was going to ask
1: you about is is did you see a this is probably not possible on ps4 level step up
0: So I played the first one on PS5 also, right? So not the first one, the main game on PS5 also. So it's not like, oh, this one looks appreciably better than the main game, but there are moments in this game that I do think wouldn't be possible on PlayStation 4, just in terms of loads and seamless transitions. And I think it's easy to point out some flaws of this DLC, which I, I think there are some substantial flaws, but I think those can only be viewed contextualized and in how incredible of a package this thing is in terms of the game loads. And then it's the game, right? Like, uh, toward the end of forbidden West, you're able to travel the map a new way that is just unbelievable where you can like, Oh, I'm way over here and I can see all this other stuff and I can just go there and there's no load. There's no anything like real time. I'm traversing this map in this new way. And Holy crap, that's incredible. And, Burning Shores continues that um, because this is post in-game content. And it's just, it's unbelievable, right? Like absolutely unbelievable. There are new weapons and new robo-dinos introduced that I think make some of the best uh, fight encounters once you relearn how to play the game. Uh, (laughs) in, In the series, the new weapon is uh, really fun and dynamic and i i wish there were more new weapons and i wish there were more opportunities to highlight the specific use case for these new weapons it almost felt like you know here's this thing isn't that fun and now we're moving on i'm like no (laughs) give me build a whole game around this thing it's so cool um and same with some of the traversal stuff that's introduced it's like here's this thing isn't that neat it is really neat could you could you could you use it <laughs> more, 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 please, please, sir. May I have some more? <laughs> um, it, it's it's just phenomenal. And I think it's easy to take for granted what Guerrilla has built with Horizon, the franchise and, and specifically Forbidden West and now, and now Burning Shores as well. Um, so I'll stop there, Jeff. I know you've also been playing before I dive into my, my, my well, nets, I haven't played nearly as your... much as
1: you have and I'm I'm excited to finish it as well and then we can have our spoiler chat um but uh yeah, I'm impressed with it too I think I liked Forbidden West I don't think I know I liked Forbidden West a lot more than you did uh so I you know this has been a huge um I've been anticipating this a lot this is gonna game I've been looking forward to a lot uh or a DLC I've been looking forward to a lot uh and um i am i think i'm you know i'm i'm doing more of the side stuff than you probably you know have patience for uh because it is a game that you like i think but don't love right
0: yeah i I lose patience for like the i forget it's funny i mean I just played a bunch of this, but I forget what they call them i love the i like the meaty optional content but I'm less excited about the my cat's missing oh like. dude gotta find those cats
1: <laughs> i i i'm i'm The first game, or the first game, the you know Forbidden West. I I did literally everything I could, and I kind of feel like that. If there's a there's a green exclamation point, I can't not do it. I'm sorry, I got. I can't let those poor people down. They're asking me for things.
0: (laughs) My Aloy is cold. Um, She's very. I need your help. No, you don't. The world's ending. No time. Do you? Do you? Because if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, your cat's going to die anyway. So, uh, zip it. (laughs) Zip it, I'm moving on. Um, Well, I can talk about some of the things that I think um, are nits for this DLC and I think also kind of where this franchise is now. One, well, I respect the heck out of it. This is post-game only DLC. Much like uh, the Frozen North. I'm going to keep saying Frozen something until I get what that first game's DLC is. I feel like it was
1: Frozen Wilds. I feel like that was the right one. I'll look it up. Hang on.
0: Okay, I'm not keep going. You're just going to keep adding. Yeah, uh, keep other getting it wrong. That's what we do here. <laughs> um, that game started you with the very hard, like snow leopard, Robo Dino fight, or that expansion, and this mm-hmm. one also. It just throws you into it. And as someone who finished uh, Forbidden West, you know, reasonably soon after that game came out, and haven't gone back to it since, um, I kind of did what I wanted to do with that game. Man, I could have used uh, maybe even optional, like we talked about for um, Firewall Ultra. Like, give me an mm. option for an intro uh, instead of an <laughs> option for button press reload. Like, go ahead, Ian.
2: Yeah, I was just going previously on Horizon. <laughs> it's hard to do the
0: controls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Less of a plot previously and more of like a, hey, your save is from 10 months ago. Do you mm. want to go to this combat pit and relearn? I'd be like, well, yes, I do. In the game's defense...
1: <laughs> It doesn't just shoot you into the burning shores. You could just load the game up. It, you have to go to a place to initiate the DLC content. You could go and refamiliarize yourself with the game.
0: Yes, but even then, I'm at an in-game save, and that isn't... It, to me, yes, you can. Yes, the player, you can technically do anything you want in the game, but I would appreciate an option of the game reminding me, in a way, and not forcing it, but being like, Hey, dude, you sure? Cause how how you're bro how you're yeah, skilled the st- also do you remember your weapon loadout do you remember why you had the trip caster equipped because i'm i don't know if you're going to need it now i'm like Man, why did i have the trip caster <laughs>
2: i i have that problem with breath of the wild i've tried to complete that <laughs> game twice now and each time um i've kind of gone off to do other stuff come back and go what is all this stuff in my? yeah what, what yeah. are these I, that's yeah you know,
1: <laughs> also my experience uh anytime loading a new world of warcraft expansion it's like who what is this bag full of garbage that I've been carrying around? But the good thing are, about an expansion like that is you, you can literally delete everything in your inventory and start with the new expansion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Here it's like, why, why am I so fire arrow heavy? I Do I, do I need all of it? I don't think I need it. And then I go to respect and I'm like, Oh, all my other weapons stink. Well, fire heavy. You know, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then press forward. So I would love, I would love that. Um, and I think, The other part of it for me, uh, broadly speaking, again, uh, until we do our spoiler chat, is Horizon, the first game, felt like the best version of the then world of open world games. Like It learned all of these lessons from all of these open world games that came before it, and I think made the best representation of that style of game. And I think Forbidden West continued that with more engrossing side quests and, um, you know, some interesting combat mechanics like breaking off specific chunks of armor became more of a thing and how you would upgrade and stuff like that. And now coming back to the game and Burning Shores, it still feels like that. And it feels it, it feels like it's become quickly dated. Um, and I think that open world games, other games have kind of pushed that genre forward and I think Tears of the Kingdom is going to do that again In a in a potential Large leap and this is still The you go into a town and it's like I have A we've joked about press X to mourn This game you know it has a button Press X to greet Karja warrior like what What does that do like What honest to goodness value Add it you press X Hi hey Aloy o- Okay there's no there there. It's I can do it because it makes the world feel more alive, I guess, but it feels at the same time empty. And that's kind of how I feel about this landscape where I love going back to L.A. Don't get me wrong. That's uh, awesome. I love seeing my city in video games. Very cool. But even there, it feels like everywhere I land, I'm landing in a super bloom. You know, like every flower is blooming. Every tree is perfect. The wind is blowing. There's dust. <laughs> like glint everywhere the the everything is happening at all t- and it's like so and this is of just your, Horizon, your argument is
1: too beautiful the game is too beautiful
0: when everything is everything it, it becomes nothing and i think that this game it highlights it now playing this dlc that i think the level design until you're in those maybe bespoke narrow funnel scripted moments they've justified it by giving you a focus but without that focus and those prompts, everything feels at some point generic. It feels like, hey, give me beautiful world. There's nothing that compels me to pull me one place or another. Or it's like, oh, well, I can just go explore. But then when I go explore, what do I get? Well, there's a random dino, And I can get that dino for hopefully a good roll of this piece that I need so that then I can get this piece to update this gear that I need. But I actually don't really need to upgrade that gear. Because the game can't require me; it's not requiring me to do that thing. So if I don't get that gear and upgrade that bow, it doesn't prevent me from doing the rest of the game. Like there's this push-pull that I feel like the game, that open-world games have improved upon. And revisiting Horizon a year later reminds me of how dated it now feels by comparison yeah, I, to me. I am baffled by by this, and I suspect that we will ha- we will
1: diverge yet again, uh, it, as we did with Forbidden west uh with uh with this dlc because i suspect that all those things that you are describing as negatives will be positives to me like oh everything's in full <laughs> bloom it's amazing oh oh i could just go over here and get this dino if i want to oh that's a I upgrade my gear if i want to. i
0: don't have to but i can
1: i think it for me it, all those feel like positives or at least they did in the in the main game so yeah, i suspect we'll, it- we'll dif- differ again
0: and I, I think depending on when we do the spoiler talk, I'll be able to contrast this game to another game. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> which I think might help some of these, some of these points. Um, and then I, I think uh, the, the we'll do it in the spoiler talk, but I, the narrative, um, there are moments of that, that left me very flat, mm. uh, which I think is a bummer. Cause I love Aloy and I love, I, I love that, that world. Um, and, and this made some, provided some interesting choices, I think. That's what I'll say. Just to
1: close the loop on this, it is the Frozen Wilds was the uh, DLC from from Zero Dawn. Uh, I think these, there's something telling about when you're unable to remember a thing, you know? Frozen Wilds is just two words stuck together. It doesn't, it doesn't, mm. it's not, uh, it doesn't have enough identity, I think, to be memorable. And I think part of the, you know, <coughs> burning, you know, forbidden West, f- frozen wilds, uh, burning shores—they're all. It, just, it doesn't. There's not enough. I don't know. There's, they're not memorable <laughs> to me. They're hard mm. to memor to remember the specific words because the words feel a little arbitrary.
0: Um. To that point, and and to burning shores, I, I wouldn't consider this a spoiler burning shore i don't think burning shores delivers on the promise of its premise of its landscape nothing's
1: burning nothing's ashore
0: there's lots of shores but frozen <laughs> wilds was like i get it it was wild um, i never frozen i never had the high ground and said you were the chosen one you know what i mean <laughs> like that's all i wanted all right <laughs> i'm cur- i can't wait to talk i've, I've been step- stepping yeah. around the the burning shores sounds like um, the thing you really were disappointed with we can't talk about yet but we will we will. Well, also there's some mechanics stuff. Th- yeah, there's some stuff. There's some okay. stuff, Jeff. And I want to I, <laughs> I respect will play. Christian,
1: there's lots of other things. There's things we can't talk about yet that we have that we can't play that we're playing. It's, it's I hard. know. Okay, I know. Uh but the things I have been playing and can talk about. Uh I want to talk a little bit about a game called Dredge, which is a, an indie game. Uh I think we had a guest talk about it last week, week before, one of the weeks. Um And I was intrigued by it, so uh, uh, got myself a copy of Dredge on Steam. This is a a game, every descriptor you could give to this game is not something that I would ever think that I would want to (laughs) play. Fishing game. Don't care. Could not care less about fishing in my life. In the real world, in video games, never, ever liked a fishing game in a video game, fishing mini game, fishing sub, whatever. Don't never draw to it. I'm not going to stand on the shore with Link and fish for hours.
0: I'm not going to fish in World of Warcraft. I'm not a fish. I don't care. But yet you'll go find a random dino.
1: Yes. Yes. That is
0: very cool. Uh, Dino hunting very different than hunting for fish. Total difference. Total difference. Yes. And if you can't see the difference, I'm shocked. Uh,
1: Anyway, this is a game about fishing. You're a fisherman. You fish constantly in this game. So again, you wouldn't think I would like it. Uh, also, it's kind of this Eldritch horror, dark push your luck game. I can like those. I liked um, darkest dungeon, for example, but not usually my jam, not usually my jam. So those two mix of things you would think uh, kryptonite for me, but turns out dredge quite, quite fun to play. I haven't been enjoying it. The, I think our guest, uh, I can't remember which guest it was that brought this game up, but uh, when we were talking about it before, they described it as being very um, almost uh, meditative and zen-like and, and sort of a, 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 an easy game to play. And I found that to be true. I enjoyed the fact that basically, so you're this fisherman that that washed up on shore uh, with a broken boat on, on this island and they give you a new boat it's got nothing it's a it's a junker and uh, you got to sort of build your boat up so that you can go farther and farther away and you got to pay off your boat they gave you a boat eh, but they need they need the money back so you gotta you gotta fish sell fish pay off your boat and then as you're going you start to notice some pretty creepy stuff happening in the waters around there uh monsters and and darkness and when the when you gotta you go out you fish and then when the when the when the sun sets, things get real weird, so you don't want to be out when the sun sets until you know you're powerful enough that you can go out when the sun sets, but then you know if you turn a light on your boat, you attract uh real bad stuff, so that's got this really interesting push and pull push your luck. How far can you go? there's not combat, so you're not going out and attacking the creatures you're just fishing, and the fishing uh. is. I would describe as pretty uninteresting <laughs> as far as there's not there's little fishing mechanic where you have to time your button presses to be inside little uh, green sections you're rotating around and you push the button at the right moment. If you fail it, unlike literally every fishing mini game I've ever played in any game, if you fail it you don't lose the fish, you lose time. And so it takes longer to get the fish and you have this ticking clock of the sun is setting so you it's a really interesting it doesn't feel as punitive hmm. but it also <laughs> does cost you something because time is your resource as far as i got to get enough fish
2: before the sun sets or things start getting bad
3: right
1: so I, is it
2: is it like a jump is you said it was a horror game is it more jump scary or is it more no. like a tension a building tension, rising horror kind of
1: yeah it's push right. your luck it's stuff's out there it's oh my gosh they're going to destroy my boat The boat is very fragile. You have to pay money to fix things. (laughs) You know, it's venture out farther, venture out farther. Go in, upgrade your boat, get a better rod and reel to get different kinds of fish, get a better Mm. engine to go faster, get some upgrades on your your boat. You can go farther, venture out farther. Now you can go even farther and get to cooler fish that are worth even more money that help you, you know, buy other things to go farther. And then maybe you'll find a message in a bottle that reveals some piece of interesting information about the world that hmm. reveals sort of this underlying horror storyline, hmm. uh, but no definitely no jump scares it's it's just that push your luck, how far can you go? how far can you get to the edge before you you know your boat just destroyed um, but i I enjoy it I think it's a really well crafted game. I love the art style it's got this really lovely. Um, almost painterly, like an um, like an impressionist painter. Like all the characters are in these big, broad, thick color lines that look like a uh, Van Gogh. Almost, they're big, you know, impressionist painterly look to it that I find very attractive. And um, the game is very much not the kind of game I would ever gravitate to, but I found myself spending hours in it. I I enjoyed uh, the process of upgrading my boat and the fishing is. The fishing is sort of mindless, and usually that would be a big knock for me of, like, well, there's nothing really to this fishing mechanic, but it was kind of nice to just go out and get some fish. Oh, and when you get the fish, you have this hold, hmm. the, the storage area in your boat, and it's made up of a grid of squares, and the fish are in different shapes of grids, so almost like Tetris tetraminos um one fish will be uh you know uh like an l shape and so you gotta you can rotate the fish and you gotta fit them in your hold there's a fun little aspect to uh, that
2: it's got some clever ideas like the resi the the resident evil you know inventory kind of thing but with yes, a bit more of a exactly shaped shaped uh fish right? yes I exactly okay. but made into a little bit more of a game you know right more
1: of a uh, of a puzzle of like how you're going to fit the fish in before you go back to how can you maximize your space before you have to go back to the shore um right so is the shore burning game. or not hmm. what
0: what's the status of the shore, shore burning shore not
1: burning but you know <laughs> that's seems like it's accurate for horizon as well not burning <laughs> just spooky just spooky yeah <laughs> spooky spooky anyway that game is called dredge and uh i think it's uh i think it's a, a, a very worthwhile uh little indie game and very different very interesting cool idea well executed all right so that brings me to the street fighter 6 demo am i the only one that downloaded this on playstation 5
2: i i downloaded it about an hour before we started recording just to, to swat up because i saw it in the show notes so i've played about 20 minutes of it
1: okay so. um so it's only available on playstation as of right now i guess it comes out next week on xbox and steam so i've only played it on playstation very 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 much looking forward to Street Fighter 6. I have been very excited about Street Fighter 6. Um and so I dove in. Now there was a big presentation that revealed a lot of what the demo showcases. There's a lot of stuff that you can't do in the demo as you might expect from a demo. But one of the things it does let you do is try out this new oh gosh, I don't remember the name of the mode. What is it called? Frozen uh, tour- Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, world Tour, maybe? Anyway, yes. Yeah. World, yes tour, world Tour, I tour. What, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the, you know, FIFA story mode, NBA 2K, build your character. This is you will be a street fighter, but you make your own avatar. You make your own character. You, you build it how you want. It has attributes. And then we have role-playing elements and a story that builds you up from nothing into the massive street fighter. And let me tell you ladies and gentlemen, based on this demo, that mode is going to be goofy. <laughs> goofy. First of all, you're introduced to it by this we want strength. You got to Well no, no, even before that, and Ian maybe you saw this. There mm-hmm. is <laughs> there is a cutscene that is basically like we have dry, it was cars that drive themselves now. Oh, yes. We're going to send people to Mars. <laughs> and yet people still want to, to, to fight on the streets. I guess mm-hmm. they do. Street Fighter. It's like, what?
2: Yeah. It was a very bizarre opener to that. Then
1: you get into it and you build your character. Uh, and, you know... I assume and I, you know, even the, the demo shows some of this where you're going to go to a shop and get clothes and, and you know, your character is going to get more sophisticated and you're going to have more personalization options. But from the start of building your character, you make really vanilla characters for a game that is renowned for having these wildly different cast of characters. My dude looks like A boring dude <laughs> Yeah same here Boring and I get it you know they'll You'll acquire stuff But le- but you know if you're looking At Dalsim and Chun-Li and Blanca Like my dude Could not be more boring You remember the very first Street Fighter 2 Cabinet where it's just a guy in a white t-shirt Punching That's <laughs> <Yes>. my guy <laughs> It's just like plain white tea Anyway so you build your character and then it starts and you go to this gym and you meet Luke, who's gonna be your gym teacher, and everybody's like, We gotta find strength. We're doing this for strength. Go get strength. And then you get you a little guy befriends you, uh, and he's like, Hey, uh, Luke, if we're gonna train together, only one of us can get true strength. How how will we remain friends if only one of us will get strength? And I'm like, What why is strength a A resource that can be used up. Like, what? That makes no sense. Anyway, these are little... uh, Spoken by the
0: guy on this podcast who clearly didn't get the strength. Go ahead. (laughs) Ian and I evenly divided the strength. The rule for DLC is only one guest cannot have strength, and that's you, Jeff. Enjoy your weakness. I
1: freely admit that. I am no strength. (laughs) I didn't have the strength to, to stomach this. Again, these are... These are nits that I'm picking because it it feels really goofy. But then you get into the role-playing section. And it, it is, I mean, it is full-on peak role-playing game where you've got your phone, and your phone is where you communicate to your your trainer, and they send you missions through your phone, and you have to keep track of contacts. And it's got all this clunky dialogue where that you're forced to scroll through that is... <laughs> I mean, I, I know I'm being really negative, but it, 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 it just felt excruciating to me. Hmm. And then you, and you're walking around an open world street. And I understand we're in a game called Street Fighter. But Christian, I don't know if you know this, but this is a game where you can walk up to almost any person on the street and challenge them to a fight.
0: That's better than greeting them. Game on. That's all I. That's what I need in Horizon. There is a. Recard your warrior. Fight. Card your warrior. There is a. There is
1: a guy operating a hot dog truck, and you walk up to him. He's like, "Hey, would you like to buy a hot dog?" You're like, "No." How about a street fight? And the guy's like, "Yeah, it's on." And you fight, and it's just a dude in a in a white apron that sells hot dogs, and you fight okay. him.
2: You can literally walk up to
1: anybody. People are like in the park, uh, you know, eating their lunches. People are shopping. You walk up to them. Let's fight. And then they just do it. And no one (laughs) says boo.
2: No one gets up and watches. It's just you just have a
1: fight in the street. You are a street (laughs) fighter. the
2: cops, you know. What's going on? These guys are fighting in the street. What's happening? I
1: feel like they took the title of their series too seriously in this one instance. (laughs) That's what I'm
3: saying.
2: (laughs) You understand the game is called Street Fighter. Mm. It, it felt a little bit to me like a, a yakuza game like a judgment yes. game you know where you wander yes. around and occasionally you just fight random people it, it was like that but simplified massively
1: massively well we'll get to the simplifications in a second but i will say this feels to me like a monkey paw situation because for years when i was a kid i when i was enamored with street fighter 2 and it's and its offshoots i would often say why doesn't somebody make a game where it's a full on adventure role-playing game, but all of the combat is a Street Fighter level, Street Fighter fight. Hmm. And they finally did it here. It's, it's, it just feels really weird. It feels really weird. I don't know. I, I'm really worried about this mode. Now, the other thing, talking about simplified, and Ian, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts about this are. There are new control modes, so you can have the classic mode where you got to do a half circle to throw a fireball, and you dragon punches a dragon punch, and all the things that anybody who's played Street Fighter for twenty years, thirty years, whatever it's been, knows or is familiar with or understands.
0: But they've we also can pull off flawlessly every time, like me. I never miss one of those. What well, you, you have
1: achieved strength. <laughs> um, <laughs> or. And what they suggest when you start playing it is they have a new mode. They call it the modern control mode where uh, just push some buttons, man. <laughs> just push some buttons. Do you want to do a combo? Hold down R2 and push some buttons and it'll make one for you. Just, do it. just keep pushing buttons. You'll do a combo. Uh, do you want to do you know a dragon punch? Push triangle. Just push triangle. Well, what's so hard about that? Just push triangle. does <laughs> Dragon Punch. Over and over and over. It's fine. Uh, and I understand the desire to bring these games to a new audience, make them more accessible, make them not so uh, impenetrable and hard. And the classic control mode is still there. but Boy, did it feel... It just felt like this game...
0: took a massive step back in my opinion you want to you want to reload your own guns is what i'm hearing exactly
2: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think
1: so i think perhaps i do uh ian you have played 20 minutes of it (laughs) what was your first impression
2: so i like the fact that in the open world one of the first things that i saw was an easter egg to a final fight you you, yeah you're in You're in metro city and yeah mike Hagar is the mayor i was like oh that's nice um yeah the modern control scheme really confused me because i was like why, why am i able to spam all these moves really easily i i presume that's just maybe because you can fight everyone they just want to streamline the fighting so when you rpg around the world you can streamline uh, make fights a little bit easier for yourself that, that's I not actually, even the
1: easiest control method they has another one that's like ai one? assisted <laughs> There's an AI assist control method that's literally like just stand next to someone, and the and the AI will decide what
2: move you should do. So cookie Clicker Street Fighter. Yes. Kind of like, wow. All right. Well, yeah. I also I did try out the 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 dual mode, so uh, a player versus AI, and I did that with classic, and that felt it. You can only play as Luke versus Ryu, and that felt you know that felt like normal Street Fighter to me. So. Yes.
1: Um, yes it-
2: Normal Street Fighter is there, so mm. I shouldn't
1: discount that. You're absolutely right.
2: Yeah. I it, uh, honestly think that, you know, if I, I'm more of a Mortal Kombat player, to be honest. Uh, but if I did pick up Street Fighter 6 I'm not sure how much I'd venture into the World Tour. I'd be, like, calling up my brother to do some, like, 1v1, you know, fights classic mode rather yeah. than the World Tour. World Tour seems like a nice distraction and a, a wacky side thing but maybe not something you'd want to base the entire game around which almost seems like what they're doing here it does seem that way
1: and it doesn't look good it does no, not it looks the, really bad
2: in my the opinion fighting against random characters i don't know about you but it seemed like the frame rate wasn't as smooth as like normal street fighter matches i don't know it, it didn't it felt weird and a bit clunky
1: super clunky and the characters didn't look good the the environments didn't look good uh, you know if somebody had just dropped me into that game without telling me what game i was playing and then they're like this is actually the newest street fighter i would have been like what <laughs> what capcom <laughs> yeah i um anyway i i'm not I, i'm i was very crestfallen by mm. where this is going and i want to you know i want to play street fighter with the cool characters and that's still in the game and i will say the The thing they've done with those splashes of color now, you know, it used to be the inky, inky splashes, and now it's it's really colorful splashes, uh, like you're playing um, Splatoon or something. <laughs> um, I think that's really cool. I think I love that look. I think that is really uh, eye catching and and different and and neat. But uh, man, there's a lot in this game that just feels really poorly thought out. Hmm. i don't don't get it it's a bummer it's a bummer and you have something like you know mortal Kombat that has been just knocking it out of the park the last several iterations with all of the ancillary content and the way that so much single player stuff to do and Hmm. the look of the game is so incredible and there's so many avenues of exploration in that world and yet it also still has the core gameplay loop intact and i feel like this is a really disappointing direction for street fighter to take in my opinion let's uh we have Ian here we got to do a little vr talk so let's jump into a little vr
3: VR. VR.
1: all right Ian, can you uh tell us a little bit about your time with uh firewall ultra i know we talked about that in the in the first segment of the show but um specifically like were you you having fun did you enjoy it and then i'd also like if you met if you don't mind um some uh psvr2 favorites for you i know that you've been covering psvr2 extensively Uh, i'd love to hear your uh your your top hits
2: okay well uh on the subject of firewall ultra i don't know if either of you have played firewall zero hour i did uh on psvr one and mm, i found it to yep. be
1: a pretty frustrating experience honestly
2: oh really i i loved it i oh, yeah? was really into the uh the rainbow six in vr uh vibe i had the aim controller so i was like i the aim controller made movement in in uh, firewall zero hours so much easier than using like move controllers or whatever yeah because you have the thumbsticks and stuff on the aim controller but um so I, I went into Firewall Ultra, very excited to try it out. And um, I, I came away a little bit disappointed. It it's It seems like it's going to be a great game. But to me, it felt less of a sequel and more of a 1.5. So we were shown two maps. In this demo, and both of the maps were remakes of maps from the original game. I think there's going to be 14 maps in Firewall Ultra, and I think a lot of them are going to be remade, I think, uh, Unreal Engine Five versions of maps from the from the first game. So instantly, I was like, "Oh, okay. Why aren't you showing me a new map? You know, why why are you showing me an old one? This is a preview of a new game, you know." So there was one of the maps. was called Social. Um, it's set in a social media office in london and that has been redone completely there's new routes there's a lift been put in so you can go from one floor to the other and the other map we played was oil rig and that is literally just had a fresh coat of paint it's exactly the same layout as before so um a little bit disappointed that it wasn't pushing the you know pushing the series and and changing up a lot um in terms of the gameplay it's very very similar it's 4v4 squad on squad diffuser bomb kind of situation what also worried me during that hands-on and bear in mind this was early code was that um the guns felt really floaty it Mm. was almost Hmm. like my arms were moving and my gun was catching up with me and you can so during my Eurogamer preview when I was editing the video Coverage for that. I was allowed to film myself playing, but I was only allowed to use seven seconds <laughs> bursts of footage for some reason. And there are a couple of clips in there where you can see me and you can see the screen, and you can just about see that as I move my hands, the gun slowly follows. So that made. It, and, and whether this is something that is you know needs to be you know fixed a bug fix or whether it's net code or something because we were playing against the people in America. Um, it it made it a lot harder to aim Uh, it it felt yeah it didn't feel as comfortable like something like pavlov where you're i'm just going on about pavlov because i love it but something like pavlov where every movement you make is replicated in the game exactly was uh you know and then you go from that to this and it felt like i was playing in like like jelly (laughs) you know it was really sluggish so in general i I feel like that game has already been delayed a bit. It was supposed to be a launch title. Yeah. I feel like there still needs a bit of work, a bit of polish done to it. If you enjoyed the original, I think you're going to enjoy this one. I just, yeah, I I, I went into it expecting more and got the same but shinier. That's a bit of a bummer. It's a mm. bit of a bummer. But uh, Yeah, and um, in terms of my favorite, playstation vr2 games you could probably guess one of them already <laughs> i've played that a lot, lot. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah i played a lot of kayak um kayak, oh yeah they mirage that is really cool um just visually one of the most impressive games i've seen and i also really like um the light brigade i don't know if you've heard of that one i That's- have i have not uh
1: i have not tried it yet but i've heard very good things about it
2: yeah when it first came out it was really buggy and it Suffer, the gameplay suffered a lot but since they've patched it now it's it's got that kind of um dark soulsy in vr vibe it, it's not it, it, it's more like a roguelike um but it's brutally hard quite creepy and that is just got a satisfying gameplay loop to it so i really like that and there's another one that i dive into every so often called runner which is like your it's almost like an akira simulate an akira motorbike simulator it's very retro graphics stylized around 80s 90s anime and you just it it, it's almost like a endless runner except for you're driving a motorbike and you're also dual wielding pistols and occasionally picking up power-ups that's a nice little arcadey one to play as well um, oh, very
1: cool I, I'm yeah. not aware of this game I want to check it's a little this out budget
2: game but it, yeah it's, it's wonderful it it's the sort of game that you you know you wouldn't want to spend hours and hours doing but if you want to dive in you know every so often and feel like you're a character in an anime like uh it's it's quite good it has a it has a great vibe to it awesome and yeah. I think they just are going to or
0: recently patched in a uh the co-op mode also because I think runner Ooh. was was well, it out on quest or maybe psvr one but it is an uh, you know an update for psvr 2 yeah uh, and i i do think they brought in a, a co-op mode so you can have your partner doing the driving or you do the shooting and um, how oh, fun that's
1: coming
2: if that's out or not try the
0: car yeah coming
1: soon um, for pcvr
2: as well looks like oh nice um on the The flip side of the coin, though, I did recently... One of the other VR games that I've played recently is a horror game called Afterlife VR, which came out this week. And it's probably the worst PlayStation VR 2 game I've played so far. It is ugly. It doesn't control very well. The horror is so badly implemented. The puzzle mechanics are just nonsensical and yeah i've i streamed the first two hours of it on my personal youtube channel well i say i streamed the first two hours of it on my personal youtube channel i gave up after about an hour and 50 because i was like I, you know what i can't play this anymore it's terrible <laughs> all the monsters look like they're lifted from an asset store Ugh. and uh um the voiceovers are terrible. The intro is completely ripped off from Outlast. Like you, you're you in a car driving towards uh, the old tropey mental asylum, you know, or where can I set a horror movie? Oh, mental yeah, asylum. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there are other places that be, could be spooky, but, you know, it just it was bereft of ideas and fun. And uh, if you are looking for a VR horror game, Resident Evil um, – you know hey don't do afterlife yeah it's yeah you'll you'll waste your i think it's budget but still there's better things out there to spend your money on well there you go uh
1: snapshot of uh, playstation 2 vr uh games good and bad <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um but i love i love your passion for it i'm I'm a fan of uh watching your content the the reviews that you make about oh, okay. uh psvr 2 and um you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of VR as a medium as well. So mm.
2: I, yeah, mass, I'm a massive fan of VR. I do understand why it struggles, but there is some magic in there that I haven't felt in gaming for a long time. Have, having played games since the eighties, uh, yeah. there's something about VR that just elevates games. You know, um, I play a lot of flat screen uh, to VR mods. Well, you know, uh, There's a brilliant community, flat screen yes. to VR modding community. And the way they take these flat games I love and turn them and bring them into VR. And then it feels... One, it feels like you're visiting a place you've seen in photos and actually going there. It's like looking at a holiday brochure and then actually going on holiday there. And another, it's just giving, breathing new life into your favorite games. And yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I'll all... Even though I know... That VR is gonna struggle to be mainstream. There's so much to enjoy there that I just wish more people would give it a go. Couldn't agree more. Well said, eloquently said.
1: I uh, I totally agree. And uh, evidently, there is this um, very coming very soon. There is going to be this universal Unreal Engine mm. to VR mod. This, yes. this guy's been working on. Pray Dog, yes. yes yeah, Pray he's... Dog, exactly. And mm. I am so excited about that. There's been lots of teases about all sorts of games mm. that already just work immediately yeah. because they're Unreal Engine games, um, which I think is, is incredibly exciting. Yeah, so, I can't wait for that to come out me too, soon, me too. hopefully. Yeah. Um, I was just talking last week about um, the uh, Half-Life episodes one and two mod. Oh, yes, I played That's those So ones, yeah. good. So mm. good. Um, and it, it really is an exciting uh, notion that if a game comes out on Unreal, it, it, it will be trivial to get it to work in vr and and i think that's going to yeah. open up a whole range of experiences honestly
2: a, a universal plug and play vr mod for all 90 uh, percent of unreal engine 4 games is going to be a game changer for incredible VR yeah on pc
1: all right well that does it for this episode of dlc we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those. But Ian Higdon, thank you so much for being here. It's been so much fun
2: chatting with you. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been, uh, it's been a great time. Great fun. Absolutely. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff you do online. Well, uh, you can check me out almost daily over on youtube.com forward slash Eurogamer. I'm there with my fellow video producers, Zoe and Aoife. We cover uh, a wide variety of games, whether it be in previews or live streams. I'm also available most evenings in streams on my personal YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash platform 32. I do a lot of community stuff there, play PUBG and uh, uh, Fall Guys and stuff with my viewers and uh, yeah, I also host a podcast called Virtual Criminality. That's on hiatus at the moment, because it takes a long time to do the episode. But that's, <laughs> what I do with that is I, um, I tell the story of video game villains in the t- style of a true crime podcast, plus... Uh, true crime video documentary because I do a podcast version and the YouTube version as well. So the YouTube version, I will create a documentary that looks like a true crime documentary, but using video game footage. So the last episode I did was, um, it was called the unsolved goose crimes. <laughs> so it's based on untitled goose game. And it was all about how a duck runs rampant around the village, uh, terrorizing the locals. And then I used the gameplay for that. I Took police helicopter camera overlays and, and made it night vision, and turned that into kind of like a you know <laughs> a police camera footage uh, from a helicopter following a goose on its trail of destruction. So I've done a variety of variety of episodes of that. Such a um, brilliant idea!
1: I love it. It's such a clever <laughs> <yeah>. idea. <laughs>
2: but that yeah, search virtual criminality on um, on podcast apps, or you can find the the documentary video versions on platform thirty two as well. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? We got
1: what do you got going on this week?
0: My website's probably the best place, which is just christianspicer.com. dot com. I uh, have a blog there, which occasionally I will uh, blog to. I use it mostly when embargoes uh, happen. You may want to tune in, in on Wednesday
1: this week, right, Christian? No, Ooh.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just sometimes, saying. sometimes embargoes happen. Almost exactly between when we record shows. Yeah, very, um,
1: very frustrating when that happens, by the way.
0: And so sometimes I will blog those on, on my website, which is christianspicer.com. You can also buy copies, physical copies of, uh, I always say this and I look that like I prepared and put one close that I can hold on. I never do. Every week I'm like, did I? Nope, I didn't. They're still too far away. But of my graphic novel, Consequences, um, I have a, a few physical copies left. Um, I'm sending those out to folks. You can find that there on my website as well. And then I write long form about games at uh tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer about once a month. Uh, it's been a little less than that recently because of all of the games. It's like, it's frustrating when I'm it's don't get me wrong. First world problem, but it's like, Oh, I am spending too much time playing games that I'm not able to do the other thing that I love to do about games, which is write about them in, in long form. <laughs> but it's like, I don't have time to write about it cause I'm still playing and I got to move to the next one. But um, I do love that uh, newsletter and I, I I know what the next one will be, and it is inspired by something we mentioned. I mentioned a little bit on this week's episode um, of all the press conferences, but it's a broader view of too much of a good thing. And uh, the thesis is, are we living in an age now past the golden age of streaming or TV or video games? And now are we in the gluttony? And is that actually bad? Is it bad that we can't have uh, a monoculture in the way we used to be forced to have because... We all watched G.I. Joe. Did some people love it? Sure. Did other, everyone watch it because you had to? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thesis of the next one. It'll be at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer if you want to subscribe to that.
1: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have other shows. I have uh, a movie and TV review podcast. It's called The Film Cast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. I do a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. And I do a sports show called The Fan-Controlled Show, The Fan-Controlled Sports and Entertainment. All of those available wherever you get your fine podcasts or also video versions, uh, you know, on places where you get video things. Find it. You can do it. I know you can. All right. That's going to bring us to our parting gifts.
3: Hey, give us a suggestion.
2: do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, I have started listening to a new band called St. Agnes. They are a, I, I think I think the genre is screamo. I'm not 100% sure of that. But um, there is a fight in Dead Island 2 that is introduced, you, you, you're introduced to a new zombie type that screams really loud. And then this song from St. Agnes comes on called and they all fall down, and the zombie smashing action and this like screaming and this screamo music is what, it all goes together really well. And I was like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Shazam that song or whatever you, whatever that app was. And uh, I found it, and I found the the band, and now they're my workout playlist the, <laughs> for for the week. So, uh, Agnes is a is a good band to search for. I'd say. Agnes, love it, very fun. Christian Spicer,
1: what about you? Uh, parting gift.
0: Uh, two, one. Also, music. Ian Dior released a new album, "Leave Me Where You Found Me." Um, I'm I'm a big fan of of Ian's work, and it kind of straddles this rap slash pop punk. You know, he's worked with Machine Gun Kelly and Black Bear and, and folks like that. Um, and this new album, I think, has some incredible tracks on it. As an album, it feels a little disjointed. Um, his last album, you could, you know, I would just play, and it felt like the songs would lead into each other and, and and hit in that way. And this album doesn't quite flow like that, in my opinion. Um, but Liar is an incredible track. 10 by 3 is an incredible track. And this track, this album, is a little more uh, rap-focused, A little moving away from a little bit of the pop-punk-type pop, pop punk type stuff. And I like seeing Ian do that. It's, it's super fun. Um, and then the other one that I keep failing to mention, so I'm going to do two now... Um, I've kind of fallen back into physical media for magazines. Um, I subscribed to edge and I got my first copy recently because it comes from across the pond and it takes a while to, to to get here road and track a couple of others. And I love it. Um, I know we talked about Kindles before and this, that and the other, but I think there is something great about holding a magazine and also my mental ability to focus on physical media. And I think the Kindle solves that problem for me as well. But there'll be times where I'm reading an article I like, you know, on my computer, on my phone. And I'm like, oh God, how long is this? Because I know that I'm going to move to something else at some point, right? Like something else on my phone is going to take my attention. I'll open up a new web browser. I won't go back to it. And with a physical, tangible thing, I can be like, oh, put it down and then come back to it. Um, And I find that I'm reading things that I would otherwise skip online which might sound weird, but I like, like I'm reading through this rodent track and there's like a whole celebration of uh, 24 hours of Le Mans as we're getting back into that. And when I see those online, oftentimes I'd be like, I don't care about the 1972 Le Mans race, but then I have it in the magazine and it's one of 20 articles. It's like, well, I'm going to read this and it's this fascinating thing. And so I think there's something precious about being served things that aren't tailor suited for things you quote unquote like in expanding your uh reading appetite for different stories and the same is true in Edge I was reading about the cover is um every everything with fascinating uh stories about that but then there's also you know long form incredible articles about games I otherwise would be like that doesn't feel in my wheelhouse but the way they're written and presented and having it in my hand um allows me to read them and I really enjoy them so I think if you have lapsed on physical media you know, find one that you think you might like and give it a a, a subscribe. Shockingly cheap. <laughs> <Mother's> <laughs> magazines. That's cool. Uh, so that's my second one. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend
1: a movie that I had a chance to see this last week. Uh, it's the new Guy Ritchie movie. It's called The Covenant. Very much not a what you would think of as a Guy, R- Guy Ritchie movie. If you're thinking of, you know, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or that, that kind of uh, very stylized genre movie. This isn't it. Uh, this is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as a uh, a soldier in, I think, around uh, 2002 in, uh, in the Middle East. And I don't want to spoil anything. I think that I've, I've been told the trailer really does spoil most of this movie. And that's a shame oh, right. because I didn't know anything about it going in. And I was completely transported. It is, it is quite a journey. It is quite a tale. Uh, and it almost feels like three movies in one and it i was really impressed with it i had a really really great time. i was completely drawn in didn't know what to expect at all and it takes you for a ride so if you are interested at all in you know for me you know that time period a military ah eh, it, it really doesn't particularly interest me but this movie has something i think to really bring to the table that is unique and is interesting and i would Highly recommend, don't know anything about it going in because it takes you for a journey. It's called The Covenant. It's uh, in movie theaters now. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Ryan. Ryan says, after listening to you recount your experiences on the paid DLC bonus show about your eye health checkups, which I did this last week, I wanted to reach out and encourage all listeners to get their eyes checked on a regular basis. For a large part of my life, I've been seeing an optometrist yearly since I was a child. In 2008, 2009, they identified a small hole in my retina. I had no real symptoms to know an issue was there. I saw a specialist to have it fixed, and it's been in good shape ever since. For my part, seeing the optometrist is an uncomfortable experience, but I much prefer that over having my teeth cleaned at the dentist. There are bright lights and some pressures on the eye, but for me, those parts only last a few minutes. When I had my retina repaired, I remember there being more procedures, but still better than the (laughs) dentist. (laughs) A visit in Ontario, Canada is usually between $150, $200 for a checkup, and it's well worth it, in my opinion. Often, corporate health plans or insurance will reimburse part of that cost. Have your eyes checked regularly so we can keep enjoying our vision along with our favorite hobby hobby of video games. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Great reminder. Uh, I can certainly attest to that as a poster child of catastrophic eye surgery which I wouldn't recommend on my worst enemy. Uh, so yes, definitely get your eyes checked on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself still relatively young and uh, I had something happen in my eyes that shouldn't have happened for another 20 or 30 years for me. So, you know, you never know what can happen to you. And uh, it's um, mildly, discomfort, uh, mildly uncomfortable, but well worth it. Thank you, Ryan, for sending that in. And uh, if you'd like to have your parting gift on our show, We'd love to hear it. Send it to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to Ian Higdon and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks uh, to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is uh, Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. You can get swag for the show, like what I'm wearing right now, T-shirts, at dlcswag.com, Jesse J. Anderson. Put that site together for us and we appreciate it uh we also need to thank our patrons without whom the show wouldn't exist so thank you patrons for supporting us our top tier patrons the hype train patrons get their names writ out at the end of every episode which i'm going to do right now hello i want to tell you about some of the folks that have made this show possible folks like tyler buckwild brood dwayne t robinson Rob Wonder Rob Dominguez Stephen T. Seifert Kevin Edde Brian Yordan Hyperboy 66 Scott Lambert David F. Shor Ryuken Comedian Aaron Trahan John Sisko Curtis from Louisville Relentless Rex Michael S. Andy Joyce Matt Valdez Kyle Star, Anthony Gulas, Dan Flanagan Riley Knox Rob Rickman Sasan Adam Denby Hank Patton Victor Valenzuela Scooby Diesel Cheesy Bob Jonathan Talbert Chris Zacharias Matt Bradley Jeff Luxak Will with 1L Harris Mitchell Ness, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Jimmy Radcliffe, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Scott Hughes, Ben, <laughs> Kevin Brazzle, Stu Goss, Nate, Jenny, Zachary White, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schlepfer, Yick, Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast. Soren Silk Travis Mike Lombardo The Spiceman Silencer Michael Buck Jackson Michael Stadler Nick Strauss-Klein Peter Olberg Josh Peek Chad Christian Bravery Taylor Wiggert Octavian Razzio And of course Jason Novak those are just some of the people that make this here podcast possible. And you can be one of them, too. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash dlcpod. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until
3: then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.